This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Information and illumination. And, you know, we're going to be pushing a lot for an event that is coming up in March. It is a huge celebration on so many levels. First of all, because we know that Israel is turning 70 years old. And what an achievement and what an accomplishment. And we have to be celebrating all over the world. And if you would like to celebrate and you'd like to be a part of something really extraordinary, then maybe the next announcement is really for you. Because the DL Link, once again, is going to be sending um, a team over to run in the Jerusalem Marathon. Um, so it coincides with Israel's 70th birthday. It's happening on the 9th of March. Now, the DL Link, now, you don't have to be frightened when I mention the word marathon because, you know, there is the 21.1 and there is the 42.2, but... It, there, there's a 10 kilometer and if you start training now for the 9th of March I bet you you will be ready to run a 10 kilometer race so the DL link are putting this team together um, you're going to get a running kit bag you're going to be doing amazing things with a group of people you're going to be staying five nights at the Ramada Hotel it includes breakfast there's a three day tour including a special hotel tunnel trip there's going to be a Shabbat dinner at the hotel, a beautiful welcome pack, um, a professional photographer for a day, um, and these uh, pictures will be made available to everyone on their return, and a whole lot of extra specials because um, Israel, of course, is turning 70 years old. So if you're interested, I'm going to give out the number for the DL link. Um, you can always go onto their website and you can register there. Incidentally, registration closes on the 22nd of February. And what happens is you will go along and you're going to run um, with someone's name on your back. Some cancer warrior who is fighting at the moment, you are going to run in their name or someone you know who is very near and dear to your own heart. And also um, trying to get sponsorship because the more sponsorship we have, the more cost effective it is to go on the trip and also for the DL link to continue doing what they're doing. So quickly jot down this number and um, then you can contact the DL link directly. Um, the number, no, not the High FM studios. Um, the number for the DL link is 011-485-3269. That is 011-485-3269. Or as I said, go straight to their website and um, you can, uh, yeah, you can register via the website. Listen, it's going to be fantastic. You do not want to miss out on being in Jerusalem for the Jerusalem Marathon in the year that Israel turns 70. Extraordinary, extraordinary. And we're going to continue with the wonderful work that the DL Link does. Because over December, I mean, where were you? Were you here in Joey's? Because Joey's is always lovely and quiet and weather was beautiful. Or were you somewhere on the coast or somewhere inland? Where were you? How were you relaxing? Um, before I went away, we spoke about a fantastic initiative that Lee Bender started. Oh, she does such great work with the DL Link. And she put together a school, a DL Link kids school, like a kids camp um, for children whose 
siblings or parents um, are going through cancer and, you know, they couldn't get away. And so Lee said, let's just do something really incredible with these kids. And her and her daughters um, just gave up their time, really. And the community, um, once again, incredibly generous. So thanks to all the sponsors who came on board. Um, and they just created a wonderful experience for these kids. So I am going to be speaking in a moment to Ruffy Herberts, who went on one of the camps, um, and he's going to tell us about it. And um, I also have Kerry Siegel on the line, whose children attended the camp this year. So, Kerry, welcome to the show. Lovely, lovely to have you on the DL Link. Thank you so much. So, Kerry, your kids attended the DL Link holiday camp. They did. It was amazing. Firstly, I just want to say Lee Bender is phenomenal. What a special lady. Um, so my kids, so she phoned to ask if my kids wanted to attend. Um, so I said they're a little bit nervous. So I went to her house to meet um, herself, Tamara Mayra, her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so warm, so lovely. And yeah, when my kids went on the camp. And tell, tell me a little bit about the camp. How were they? A bit nervous in the beginning, but did it meet every expectation? More so. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you want to know what they went to? Please. Okay, so the first thing they went to was Pinocchio Pantomime. Yeah. So I went with because I didn't know if they would be okay on their own. How old are um, your kids, Kerry? So my kids are eight and six and a half. I've also got a two and a half year old and she only attended some of the things near the end. Wow, so your um, kids are young. They're pretty young. No, no. So okay. they're really young. And my older two loved, loved going. My middle one wanted to go in Lee's car. My older one wanted me to sometimes take, but otherwise there were lifts arranged as well. Amazing. Um, so the first one was, yeah, the Pinocchio pantomime. The second one was art jamming. Um, in Melrose Art, where they made beautiful artworks. I was still at work, so they went on their own. Um, then they came back and they had lunch at Lee, and then they made, Lee got someone in to bake, to bake cupcakes, <laughs> um, beautiful cupcakes with them. The next one they went to was Bounce um, in four ways. They came back, they did lunch, and they did a self-defense course. So they really did amazing things. Um, we unfortunately didn't um, do the Cinderella with them. Um, the next one was Archer Bean. They did mosaicing. Then they had pizza, came back to Lee's house and did swimming. Um, and another one was Avalanche. They went snowboarding. Um, that's all three of mine went to. Then they did swimming. And the last one was Sabono at the Science Museum, which was also amazing. The boat, that is an amazing museum. I think more, more and more people know, need to know about that museum. And there's so much to see there. I've been to the before, but I didn't realize yet how much is actually on the upstairs. And they did shows and a sound show. Really, really, honestly, so special, so nice. And my kids normally don't like going on camp. But because they're so warm and lovely and all the people helping and there were other little ladies that were also helping, honestly, it was really, really so phenomenal. Kerry, were there a lot of kids? Quite a lot. So different days... Um, there were different kids, but I'd probably say about 20 kids. And then some people went away, some didn't. So different days. I don't know there weren't so many. There were probably about 15 of us, uh, 10 to 15. But, yeah, on average 20, maybe even 25 some of the days. And and the lifts, you say lifts were organized. Sometimes you would help with lifts, but otherwise lifts were organized, hey? Yes. So it depends who was available, yes. So when I was working, I couldn't, some of the, but um, this, now since we've been back, um, yes, I helped, another dad helped, another mom helped. So, yeah, I think Gabby from DL Link helped also a little bit. So everybody just kind of, Tamara's girl, I mean, these girls, 
Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful, Kerry. Is there anything you want to say to the DL Link once you're on the radio and and your kids have been through this this great um, I just want to say DL Link is a camp that you don't wish to be part of. Yeah, that's true. If you do happen to find yourself in a circumstance that you are part of it, it is phenomenal, honestly. Um, And yeah, thank you to the donors and to everybody who constantly supports and to Michelle and Gabby and Terry and Tammy and everybody, honestly, they're amazing. When you're having operations, they drop pictures at you, um, little um, um, packs for your kids. Honestly, it is an amazing, warm, beautiful organization. And I think people need to know more about it so that they can get more involved because if there is something, you know, often people are looking to get involved in something um, and it really is a worthwhile organization because when you do find yourself faced with the horror of the C word, um, you know, there is a team behind you. Mm, very true. Very true, Kerry. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for taking time out and sharing yeah. your, your kids' experiences with us. We're going to continue talking about the camp for a while and hopefully, uh, you know, it'll continue in, in December next year with even more wonderfully exciting adventures for the kids. Yeah. So thanks, Kerry. Great. Lovely Thank chatting. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks so much. Thanks. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Kerry Siegel, um, one of the parents, three of her children attended the Link holiday camp initiative all started um, because Lee Bender just had this wonderful idea and her and her daughters have given up their time and sponsors in our community have given very, very generously to enable these kids to have a fabulous, fabulous December. We're going to have a quick break. After the break, um, Rafi Hervitz is going to tell us about his experience this December. So stay with us. This is Lifelinks with a DL Link. Lifelinks is a DL Link fundraising initiative. Welcome back. This is the DL Link Show on 101.9 High FM where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. We're doing a debriefing. We're looking back on a fantastic December holiday. I really hope that you enjoyed yours and you know the DL Link always reaching out in the community and providing a lifestyle support to cancer patients and their families um, and so they continued with their great work over December with Lee Bender her initiative as I mentioned before and just um Making kids whose parents or siblings, and if they're affected in any way by cancer, um, giving them a, a wonderful holiday as well. So I have in the studio Rafi Hervitz, who is 11 years old, and he's come onto the show very, very bravely to tell us about his experience. Rafi, welcome. Hi. So is this your first time on radio? Yes. How are you feeling? Good. You feeling Bit good? nervous. Bit nervous. Well, listen, I'll try and be as gentle as I can. Mm. How's that? Okay. So listen, when do you start school? Uh, on the 16th of January. Are you ready? Yes. And you're going into? Grade 6. And you're at? King David. King David. Linksfield? Yeah. Fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful. So you ready, you know, you've just got to psych up. I've been wrapping books and textbooks and whatever. Have you been doing that? Are you Cole? Getting there. Getting there. So, so let me bring let me bring your dad onto the the, the show as well. Cole, Colin Herbert's welcome. Hello, Nikki. We go back in time. A long time. It was yes. lovely walking through the door and seeing you. It was you. amazing. Oh, Cole. <laughs> so you've been busy with books. Uh, a little bit, yeah. A little bit. A little Listen, bit. I've got it. Someone said, "Oh no, 
book wrapping time and I said it's actually quite nice it's time out listen to good music and you get into the zone well thank God I've got a good support system and they kindly oblige they getting into the zone Correct. for you yes. you know, so that's a huge thing Lot, lots to do so tell us Rafi how was the camp you went on the DL link um, the, the, the kids camp what was it, was it like it was great because when the first time I met them like I was a bit nervous to meet them but then I got to know them after a while and then and then because uh, my mom couldn't help me do homework so May Rav came to our house to help us do the homework and then after that we uh, they always came past and gave us uh, stuff and that to just play with and when she started the camp uh, I didn't know any of the people there just Leah and them and then I started making friends there like Uri and everyone so and then Shanann helped me like make more friends there so it was great that's amazing that's amazing listen it's always nerve wracking when you start somewhere or you do something and you don't know mm. people and yeah. you don't know and what was it like I mean did you do things that you wanted to do were you did you do things that mm. you always wanted to do yeah, never had I, always want, I, I always wanted to go like I've gone art jamming and that but like I've never I've never gone with a, a lot of people like for a birthday or something like I wanted to go with close people so Lee and them were close to me so and what did you create there uh, we picked out our own things so I picked out a Pikachu and then we made our own and we I colored it in like a bit of black a bit of red and uh, yellow so and then I wrote savage on top oh, that's awesome <laughs> wow that sounds so creative mm. and what else did you do I mean you heard Kerry talk about all the events that her children attended yeah. did you attend most of those yeah the Pantomime with Pokio was uh, funny. Yeah. And then, Pantomimes are always great. Yeah. I mean, and then, the best. Yeah, and then we were just sitting there and we were chilling and just watching everyone do their best job acting. And then when we were swimming, it was fun because it was very hot. So, like, we we wanted to just have a break from all the fun we had. And uh, cupcakes were not hard, but, like, making flowers out of dough. Yes. It, it was just the best. The best. And you've got a sister? Yes. Was she doing it all with you? No. She was out having more fun. <laughs> <laughs> so your sister's older than you? Yeah. Okay. How old is your sister? She's 14, turning okay. 15 oh. this year. Oh, fantastic. So, Cole, was she here or St. Joburg? Just went to Benay this year. Oh, it was Benay. Yep, she had a lot of fun this year. Yeah, both my sons went yep. to Benay. Yep. They had They're a good time, fun. huh? Yep. Mm, yep. lot of time. You'll go soon. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think yeah. you'll be going this, this coming year. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. still, yeah. I think the, the, this year will be great. I'm so sorry you lost your mom, my darling. Such a hard, hard, difficult time for you all, yeah. hey? Mm. So for you to have this time out with lovely people and just to forget things for a while and just to be taken and experience must have just been a great experience. It really was because, like, having, uh, getting more friends to know was better for me. Mm. Was it hard to tell your friends about your yeah. mom when you first found out she Could was no I knew about it, so I had to tell. Yeah, and that's hard. Yeah. And did your friend, was it difficult for your friends to relate to you once they knew about your yeah. mom? Because they feel uncomfortable, mm. they don't know what to do with it, hey? Yeah. So to have people that you can talk to is very important. Yeah. You know, and that's why we so appreciate you coming onto the station today. Thank you. You know, because you're not alone, my angel. And there, there's so many kids, unfortunately, who are, you know, experiencing what you have. So just you being brave enough to talk about it, mm. I think, touches the hearts of many children who are listening now. Thank you. Thank you, my um, angel. I must say, between Lee and Mayrav um, and Tamar, they've just been an unbelievable support system mm. throughout our difficult time. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, alcohol. Mm. Sleeping, homework. Mm. They've been amazing. Mm. They really have. Mm. Thanks for that, Carl. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very difficult time. It's yeah. a very difficult time. And, the, you know, that's why we have this show, yeah. you know, so we can yeah. reach out and we can reach more people and we can talk about things, things yeah. that are sometimes yeah. uncomfortable to talk about and that hurt us very deeply. When we realize we're not alone, that helps us. Yeah. I, th- I think the DL Link on the whole, I mean, including Lee and the whole organization, have just been absolutely phenomenal for us as a family, you know, going through a difficult time when Linda was sick prior to Linda passing, um, even after Linda passing. They've just been absolutely phenomenal, mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. I mean, till this day, Linda's been gone a year and a half and still... Every second week, every third week, we still get colors and. Well, you, it's a family. Yeah, that's definitely Michelle. You know, that's is it. Just it's a, a family, and you're part of a family. Phenomenal. Yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. It's, every it's, just a, mm. well, every second, third Friday, we get a, a ring on the doorbell. There's color waiting for us. Mm. There's cookies waiting for us. Mm. They've just been absolutely fantastic. And Excellent. Michelle also, before Linda passed away, was taking the kids out and you know doing stuff with the kids and really helping a lot. It was just, it was an amazing time. It's yeah. a really, really good support system. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for that, Cole. It's good to talk, as I said, yeah. you know, no, and so they continue. And that's why, you know, when, when, when we're putting a team together to, to go to Jerusalem, it's, it's just an extension Correct, of it. Yeah. It's always continuing. And even after Linda passing, I mean, they still carried on with their support system. It wasn't like, you know, Linda passed and now it's over kind yeah. of style. And yeah. they carry on with, you know, the work that they do kind mm. of style. And they've, they've been a part of the kids' life. For all this time, for so long, yeah. for so long, it's been really amazing, mm-hmm. really, really amazing. Ruffy, thanks for coming onto the show. Okay, it's thanks. been so lovely meeting you. You're such a lovely, beautiful young man. Thank you. And enjoy Benay next year. Mm-hmm. You'll have to tell us all about it. Cole, great to see you again. Awesome thanks see for you, coming onto the show, Thank you. and just for your bravery, we appreciate it. We really, <laughs> really do. Thank We're going to take a break. And then we're going to be back, um, and when I'm going to be introducing you to our warrior today. So stay with us. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. 20 minutes past 12 it is. You are tuned to the DL Link Show. I'm Nikki Seberini. We are talking about the wonderful work that the DL Link does. This uh, DL Link holiday camp run by Lee Bender. Oh, and just having this beautiful Ruffy in the in the studio telling us about his experience. So the Jerusalem Marathon, I really, 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 really want to push it because the registrations close on the 22nd of February. You can be a part of something that is so huge. It'll touch your life. So many other lives it'll touch as well. If you are keen in getting involved, if you want to find out more, um, the number that you can dial for the um, the uh, Jerusalem Marathon just to call the DL link is 011-485-3269. Now, uh, not a long time ago at all, I had the wonderful Leslie Witt in the studio, who is a logotherapist um, with the Victor Frankel Institute. Um, she's also a neuroscience coach, and uh, the list goes on and on of all the incredible, incredible work that she does. But what we spoke about, um, and we touched on it so briefly, and I 
I said, Leslie, you have to come back onto the show to expand on your story, is that Leslie is also the mother of um, a cancer, a brain cancer survivor. So Leslie said, you know, I'll come onto the show and I'm going to share my experience and, and what I went through. And uh, so, so Leslie is our warrior today um, because she's the mother of a warrior, which makes her very much a warrior. Les, mm, welcome hi. back onto High of M. Thanks for having me again. Oh, thanks Great. for joining us. Thank, thank you. Thank you for joining thank us. You. Before we start with mm. your story, for those who weren't listening and they're thinking logotherapy mm. with the Victor Frankl Institute, just give us a very brief background on what the logotherapy is, please, Les. Okay, so it's the work of Victor Frankl and his main, he wrote many books, but his main book was, uh, or the most well-known was Man's Search for Meaning. Right. So it's a meaning-orientated therapy that um, deals with the healthy core of an individual. Okay, so mm. if I can put it very simply and tell me if I'm wrong, mm. it is finding meaning and purpose in life that will give you the strength to overcome challenges in life. Is that too simple? Is that too... No, no, that's beautiful. That's beautifully put. Um, it is... It We can overcome it in many different ways. How we experience our world around us mm -hmm. and what we create for ourselves right. and for others. Right. And also our attitude towards and especially towards things that are unavoidable. Okay. So unavoidable. Mm. Cancer is unavoidable. Mm. Very little control in that area. Very. So logotherapy, <laughs> did it come to you before or after your son was diagnosed with cancer? Long, <laughs> long, long after, only in the last few years. Okay. And what it did for me, it put in context um, what I'd been through and what my attitudes were and what I experienced. Oh, wow. So, so you, you found out more about the logotherapy and it kind of what you experienced just fell in line with... A lot of it, wow, yeah. A lot of it, I could I could give a name to it. It mm -hmm. was very interesting, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. your son was young when he was diagnosed. Yeah, he was only one year old. Tell us about that. Um he had an older brother, only two years older than him. And, yeah, um, his eye was jumping at seven months old. W what is his name? Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Okay. And, unfortunately, I was the only one that could see that. And at one year old, um, he was diagnosed with um, cancer um, of the brain and on both optics. How did they find that out? Uh, a scan. It was a scan. Because yeah. it's very difficult with children. I know we've covered that before. Yeah. Um, that, that diagnosis. So it was just the eye jumping around which alerted you. And the head nodding. Head and nodding. And finally the iris rotating okay. at 360 degrees. And through a scan they found out that he had cancer. Yes, yes. And he was a year old. Yes. And how does a mother respond when she's told that her year old baby has Brain cancer. I think um, the first thing for me was where where can I get hope? Because the doctors weren't giving it. They weren't. No. What was the prognosis? Uh, Forty-eight hours. No. Forty-eight yeah. hours. Yeah. So my first thing was where where can I get hope? I happened to have a doctor um, that directed me to the Rebbe. So. I spoke to the two RC that worked for the Rebbe and heard the Rebbe in the background on many occasions um, and took his advice on which day to do the op and um, 
etc. Were you religious before that? No, no, no not no. at all. Um, I've always had a spiritual dimension, though. Okay. Um, I've always been interested in something bigger than us and mm, beyond, and right. in God. Right. Okay, yeah. but not, but not religious wise. Just the spiritual connection. Not traditional to religious connection to something greater. Yes. And here, your son was diagnosed. You wanted hope. Yes, I got it there. I went to Filipino healers. There was no end. I asked prayer groups all over South Africa to pray for Daniel because I felt like he needed all the prayer he could right, get. Right. So it didn't matter what race, religion, we just needed prayer pray. for upliftment. Mm. And I instinctively knew that. Wow. You know? So he had to have an operation. He did, um, but he hadn't had his first birthday yet. So I postponed the op, which was going to be a 12-hour op, or we did. And um, the surgeon was just so gracious. He said, no, I've got lots of admin to catch up on, and you must give him a first birthday party. And then you gave him the party. I did. It was a pretty grim party, mm-hmm. but I did. My You were determined. determined. You just determined. My sister made a cake, and it was a train, um, as long as the house, with bedecked with smarties, oh. etc. Oh, he must have and, loved that. And she said this was to symbolize the length of his life. Oh, fantastic, Leslie. How, at, at one year, I mean, was he walking or not yet? Yeah, he had started walking actually at about 10 months. Gee whiz, yeah, that's nice. He was ahead of his time. Gee. Yeah, yeah. And, and communicating with you? I mean, besides the, the eyes and you could mm. see that, w- was there any delay in his development that you were aware of or it hadn't really not affected it, no. that at all? He had a reflux problem as mm-hmm, well, but mm-hmm. there wasn't a delay in his um, um, development. Okay. No, no. And he went in for this operation. You, the Rebbe told you when the right time would be. Yes. And you, he had his first birthday, mm. and then he went in. And once again, for a mother, you know, you had this hope. You you wanted. Mm. You found the hope. You looked for the hope. I talked to him about the hope. Okay. I said, "You haven't been come into this world for nothing." Um, so you, you spoke you're here to, him to about stay. This. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. At a subconscious really? level, I believe he got it. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. You didn't want to just make nice and pretend it wasn't there. You actually no, had no. these conversations. I spoke to him, him and I said, "You, you need to fight." And as young as he was. Um, and I said to Hashem, I will have him in any form and I will look after him always. And that's what I do. That's what you said. Yeah. yeah. How was the op? How successful was it? Um, it was, well, successful in whose eyes is another story. Mm-hmm. But for me, very successful because he survived. Yes. And six months later, he had radiation therapy. Um, some people have described it as terrible because... Um, of how limited he is in his intellectual ability. Because of the op. Yeah, but yeah. for a mother, a child is a child. It doesn't matter about the intellectual ability. Mm. Did you know that, Leslie, at the time? I mean, he was so young. When, when did you realize that the, the op had affected? And maybe you can just tell us what, mm. when you say his intellectual ability, how, how has he been he's, affected? Well, he's 33 now, which is amazing. He's a oh. tiny little guy. Mm. He takes a hell of a lot of pills for a hell of a lot, hell of, a lot of things. Yes. Um, and he's sort of like a little old guy, but he's operating, I'd say, at an intellectual level, three to five years old. And at another level, he's he's quite wise. 
Oh, wow. Mm. And when did you find that? I mean, when did you start to realize, because at the time the, 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 you know, the operation was successful. Then you went for the radiotherapy. It was a success. The, the brain tumor had gone. Mm. When did you realize that um, there had been damage to his brain? I think immediately we were told. We were told, were told? Made immediately that he will probably will not walk, probably will not talk, and would have probably would be in a, a state of a comatose state. And that wasn't the case. He did start walking and talking and swearing, and <laughs> he still does. <laughs> terribly. Is that an uncontrollable swearing? I, I believe so. Mm. Interrupt. No, no, He's please. very, very demanding and difficult. He is. There's no two ways about that. Okay. They're the polarities. They're the polarities. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so how did you come across? Were you looking for something? Yeah, like I was. Therapy? I had been in a very successful corporate coaching career, mm-hmm. and I felt limited in how far I could go now with the people I was coaching. And I knew I was looking for something, and as things happen, somebody came to me for uh, coaching counseling, um, who had studied logotherapy? So that's how I found. Heard, oh wow! That's how I found out about mm. it. Yeah. Isn't life interesting that way? Yeah, the right thing comes at the right. The right time. thing comes mm. at the right time. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I want to continue talking about logotherapy and mm. talking about your son as well. Um, we are going to be chatting to Professor Michael Simpson. Do you know uh, Prof Simpson? I've heard of him. Okay. I don't know him personally. Okay. Is he? Is he? Do we have him on the line? Okay. Fantastic. We, we've got uh, the professor on the line. Um, professor, welcome. It's it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you. It's nice to be with you. Um, uh, Professor Michael Simpson is a psychiatrist and also he does a lot in terms of uh, Health 24 writing incredible, incredible articles. Um, He is um, qualified in medicine and in psychiatry. He qualified in the UK. He's been a senior academic researcher and professor in several countries, having worked at London University in the UK. Um, And also he deals a lot with um, working with the dying and the bereaved um, in hospice care, um, suicidology and PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, So working a lot with survivors of various Mm -hmm. forms of severe trauma, including survivors of torture and human rights abuses. So, um, Professor, we really do appreciate you giving your time this afternoon to us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm pleased to hear that you're mentioning my old friend, um, Victor Frankel, who was a very dear personal friend for many years. He was a personal friend. And of course, he here in South Africa at one stage. Really? T- tell us about your relationship with him. He's one of the few really genuine people. The other one that I got to know was Carl Rogers. Uh-huh. And both of them were the sort of person they should be who could write the books they did and give the teachings they did. They were completely genuine and congruent. It was, it was, there wasn't the guy who performed in public and the guy behind the scenes, mm. visiting them at home or in social situations. They were the same person. Oh, wow. That I appreciate a lot. Mm, I also appreciate that. You know, people use the word being authentic a lot today, but there's a lot to be said for it. So much to be, especially in the world in which we live today, Professor. 
yes, well, we have more professional phonies, and it seems to be <laughs> more profitable to be phony yeah, these right. days than to be genuine. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Let me introduce you. Uh, Professor uh, Michael Simpson, I'd like to introduce you to, to Leslie um, Witt. It's a lovely little interaction here. Yes, it's wonderful that you met such amazing. I know that they were in South Africa. And yeah. um, that you were fortunate enough to meet them and them to meet you both ways. Well, I got to know them overseas for a, quite a while. It was only after I came back to South Africa that he was delightful that they visited us here as well. Mm-hmm. And he was a very modest man. I remember uh, having long chats with him in Montreal at one stage when we were working together. And the thing he was most proud of that year mm-hmm. had nothing to do with his philosophies or his books or his therapy, but he had one of his keen hobbies was climbing mountains. <laughs> and he received a great compliment from one of the Swiss mountaineer guides mm-hmm. who said he was very good at what he had climbed. <laughs> And no one would imagine that this would even matter to him. And that was the thrill of his year. Can I also say something? He learned to fly at age 67, and that was another great thrill for him. Did he really? Well, that again, that's a genuine person who has a number of interests. Mm. We tend to... pigeonhole someone and say, ah, well, she's an actress. And then you say, good grief, you mean she can cook? Or he's a a philosopher and you're surprised to find he knows how to drive a car. Um, These were whole people and uh, comprehensively interested. And I think he was a little bit bored with, in some ways, they don't like people making a big fuss of them um, as just one thing. Although one thing that Victor was puzzled by, I remember discussions about this, was he was amazed that his books were popular everywhere. He could go, he said he would he would go to Bangkok and the taxi driver had read his book and he was amazed. But he said the French never pay any attention to me at all. And I said, well my impression is the French have a whole sort of secondary industry of people who write books about what you said in your book. Oh. And I said, your books annoy them because they say what they say and there's nobody, there's no need for somebody to come in and interpret yeah. them. The whole existential. Are, yeah, yeah, the whole existential. And the French didn't like that very mm. much about him. Mm. I love, I love, yes, I love that we're having a conversation about Viktor Frankl, the human being, as mm. you've said, Professor, not just the name behind the logotherapy and man's search for meaning, but when you flesh it out and what you realize is that we are all just human beings trying our very best to make our way in the world, um, you know, and to have fulfillment and to have peace and to have happiness and connections with others. That's ultimately what we're all searching for. And it is the meaning and everything that goes with it. With all these challenges, it's just lovely to focus on the human being. The Victor Frankl, the human being, it's lovely. Sorry, Prof? I think many people also forget that he uh, grew up with the trauma of the Second World War and the Holocaust and barely escaped from it and felt guilt about what had happened to his family. Mm. Um, So he... He knew what he was talking about, not only at a theoretical level. Mm. He'd had to face terrible decisions and uh, the horror of what people do to each other. Mm. Absolutely. As well as observing a prophet uh, behavior in the camps and seeing yeah. how humans, the decent and the indecent mm. man. Mm. The best and the very I, worst. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's a, and that, that comes back to, to what you were talking about before I joined you, that one of the things that helps us cope and helps everyone is to treat what is happening to you not just as um, something that just ha- helplessly mm. falls on you like like heavy rain, but as something that you can learn from and that others can learn from. So you observe it. You look at it. What what is happening? How is it? Why is this making me so angry? Mm. Why did that frighten me? Mm. How did I, that I handled well? How did I do that? Mm. Uh, and that's mm. the way that one examines the life we're leading and learns from it. Mm. And we have lessons that we can and skills that we can then apply later. So, Professor, I mean, you, as I've read out, you, you know, you've specialized in helping people with severe trauma. Um, and, and when you talk about instead of it just seeing experiences, these experiences coming at you, but something to be learned from, how do you take a traumatic experience like um, torture, human right abuses? How do you take something like that um, and get a person to see a lesson when... You know, you're completely out of control. It's not you. It's You have a perpetrator, other people who are doing this to you. It's not even an illness where you could say, you well, know, hand over to God or whatever it is. How, how do you deal with something like that? Well, there's a couple of aspects there. One is, okay, there's a perpetrator. There is a bad guy or bad people who are doing this to me. Mm. But they can't completely, and that's what annoys the hell out of torturers and the other bad people, they can't totally control what's going on in your head and your heart. Mm. You have far more choice than seems obvious at first Mm. to decide how you will react to this. I will not allow them to make me scared. Then I will not allow them to do this or that to me. I will choose to think differently about it. I mean, I remember a marvelous example when working with human rights problems in this country um, with a black priest I got to know, and he was talking about when he was interrogated. And he talked during detention, he said the interrogator had been very fierce but very upset that he wasn't allowing himself to be troubled by this man who wanted to frighten him. Mm. And this guy said to him, you know, I am sitting here interrogating you, and my son will interrogate your son. And that's what the future is. And the priest sat a little bit, and he said, I'm so sorry, you have so little ambition in life. But it speaks a lot to this priest and how mm. strong-minded um, you know he was at the time. But not everyone is. And so to be intimidated and to be tortured mm. and to have your power taken away and to have fear driven into you in, to such an extent is such a huge wound. It's such a huge, deep wound. Yes, but again, it comes back to a basic... Some people seem to have it instinctively, and some of them, mm. some of us learn it, yeah. that you do have more, even in the most hopeless situation, and whether we're talking about evil people doing wicked things to you, or just the ordinary tragedies of ordinary life, you have more choice than you realize to decide how you are going to react to that. What lessons are you going to draw from this? Are you going to... I mean, it worries me a little bit, and I don't want to get into terrible controversy here, but with the way some people are reacting to the whole... um, sexual harassment issue that's arisen in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and saying 
some people seem to me to be adopting what is one of the least helpful ways we can react to being victimized in whatever way by fate or by other people by adopting a sort of profession of being a victim they they did this to me and therefore I am ruined for life mm. not necessarily mm. you can declare uh, independence mm. and refuse to allow that it will always be part of your life mm. but you don't need it to be the dominating part you don't yeah. need to allow it to do that to you mm. and people who can do that rather than say well somebody um, patted me on the bottom 10 years ago and this still haunts me it shouldn't you should remember that it happened. You should learn from it. You should work to prevent it happening to yourself or others. But it doesn't mean that you are now ruined goods forever and ever. You are just a person with more wisdom and more experience. Wow, so well put. Lizzie, you were going to say something. I'm saying um, this so fits in with the logotherapy ethos, with Frankel's ethos. Everything you're saying, you're talking um, the, uh, the logos, the, the meaning. Um, yes. The attitude towards unavoidable pain and the fate, as you called it, or the ecohomo, as he calls it, um, that you can only sometimes have a faith that you can only have an attitude towards that fate. Mm. And I just and love everything that you're saying. Mm. Yes. Professor, I, I think that maybe what it is, <clears throat> and I hear what you're saying about identifying and being this victim and almost turning it yourself, your, yourself into this victim, I think that maybe the gray area is that people are seeing themselves as being a voice Maybe a movement um, standing up and speaking out um, uh, about something that's been, you know, perpetrated for years and years and years and years. And so I think what you're saying is is very it's 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 very wise and very true because there has to be a distinction between being the person who is able to be brave enough to bring it out to the open to voice it to say this was my experience yes. this is what happened and yet i am not that i'm not defined by that i am more than that i'm more than that yeah it, it's well, it's interesting to see how that will come out i am only that mm. you have a problem mm. Yeah. So how do how do people do that, Professor? And I'm asking you, Leslie, as well. You know, for people who are listening right now, I mean, mm. we've we've spoken about something that's very much in the news. But for people who feel who've had experiences in life, whether they've been perpetrators, whether they've had terrible accidents, whether they've had terrible illness, or people that they love, how do they move away from a victim mentality of why did this happen to me or I am that and find meaning in it find where is the lesson are there, is there a way of doing that are there techniques Leslie you were going to say something yeah. and then I'll come to you Professor I would say at a very simplistic level for all of us did we have our, our biggest learning in retrospect when things were just running smoothly or went through painful situations mm. and I think most people will answer through painful situations and then to see our defiant human spirit and how we triumphed through those adverse situations and all those resources are sitting within us have gone nowhere and can always be capitalized and brought to the fore whenever we need them. Mm. Because mm, we are resilient, mm. but do people often do people want to go to those painful places? What do you have to say, Professor? 
I think it used to be said that it was a China, old Chinese saying, but I've never found it in the original Chinese. But the, the people who said that crisis and opportunity were in some languages the same word. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important issue that crises are opportunities right. in which we do have choices even if other people try to limit or prevent our choices or even if the way fate arranges the situation leaves it so it appears to be no other choices you do have choices not in what happened if you are as I was at one stage in a car accident that you can't change yeah. but how you then choose to see yourself the conclusions and lessons you learn from that that is up to you. You have far more freedom than seems obvious to you. Mm. And how you use that opportunity mm. is how you can use a crisis to learn, to mm. benefit yourself and others, to develop new skills, mm. or to see yourself as damaged forever. Mm. And that's not um, inescapable. That's actually more voluntary than you think. More voluntary than you mm. think. Is it like a choice that you're making? Mm. Are you consciously making a choice? I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to see the lesson. That, I think, is the technique mm. in that you may instinctively, you may automatically not start doing that. But if you have that idea in mind, you can say, wait a minute. I can learn from this. Mm. What can I learn what from can this? I learn? Mm. Let's have a look and see what I can gain from it rather than, oh dear, that's it and I've had it. Mm. No, not necessary. So I don't have to relive the trauma. I don't mm. have to relive that, but are coming out of it, what, what, what have I learned? What, what is yes, it? I think some naive therapists try to spend an enormous amount of time mm. making you recall every right. tiny detail. Right. That's not helpful. Mm. The general issue is basically what happened and why it was awful for you. What can we learn from that? Mm. What, what conclusion? Sometimes we realize you're drawing unhelpful, inaccurate conclusions and then mm. carrying them with you into the future and you need to be able to look at those um, review them and revise them and say no that's not actually quite right Mm -hmm. I was making a wrong assumption there Mm -hmm. I can see it in a different way Mm -hmm. and that's more useful to me Mm. so interesting I could really talk about this really all day because the mind is fascinating and it's about being very conscious just living very consciously and being Mm. so aware and questioning yourself and analyzing not analyzing just being there being in that moment professor thank you use that analysis i mean some people are over like a car spinning its wheels in the mud all they do is do that round and round and round Uh, it's a way of how to get out of of it how to move forward carrying the best bits with you. Liz, you were going to say something, and then I'm going to say goodbye. Yes, yes. It's it's why the therapy so focuses, uh, doesn't moves away from all the tragedy and all the not that it's not heard and affirmed, but it moves away and it moves towards what brings meaning. Mm. I love the analogy of the car in mm. the mud and, and that's beautiful and that mud going round and round mm. and then actually just getting out of mm. that mud. Professor, how what a privilege it has been to have you on the on the show. First of all, sharing your stories of Viktor Frankl and then your wonderful insights it really really has been very special for us thank you for your time thank you I hope I've learned it. I've learned something from my own horrors and experiences and that uh, they can be helpful to others absolutely I, I definitely think that we've maybe turned on a few lights for our listeners today so thank you Professor Michael Simpson an absolute joy
Leslie, thank you for coming thank on to the you. show. We're going to have to do a whole show on logotherapy because I'm sure many people listening are thinking, oh, I want to, I want to find out more. Mm. How do I deal with that? Mm. So thank you so much. Leslie Witt, lovely having you on the show again. I'm going to be saying cheerio now, even though it is uh, seven minutes to one. We're going to play out with some music and some ads. I hope that you have enjoyed the show. Remember, register for the wonderful DL Link Jerusalem Marathon. Give them a call. You've got until the 22nd of February to do it. From me, Nikki Seberini, until next week.